Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the AJ Osborne podcast. Excited to bring on my guests today, Dave. And Dave, how you doing, man? I'm good, brother. The sun's shining up here in Boston. It's another day in paradise. You know what I mean? I'm well. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Well, so you're in Boston. Tell me tell me a little bit about yourself. Are, uh, are you yeah, from for Boston? Sure. No, no. I'm an immigrant to the United States of America. Don't tell anybody. It's a secret. Um, <laughs> I came over back in uh, 1986. I was actually in college in London. I was born in London, raised in the south of England. I came in 86. I'd love to tell you I came for like entrepreneurial reasons. And, you know, I knew that I wanted to expand my personal development once I landed in the United States of America. That would just all be a bunch of BS. I was I was chasing my, my first wife. She was, she, was, uh, she was an American citizen. I was like 19 years old. I was you know, getting getting some regular loving and everything was great and we were young and I decided to emigrate and get married at 20 years old. So that's how I ended up here. <laughs> well, yeah. good for you. Glad you ended up here. Yeah. You know what was crazy though, man? I went from I went from London, England and uh, my first wife was from Long Island, New York. Her family was, was there. And I'd love to tell you, I went from like London to New York and it was a great synergy, but I didn't. I ended up in Wheeling by God, West Virginia. In the middle of the Rust Belt in 1986, it was all beer bellies, ball caps, and chewing tobacco, and I was an alien in an alien nation. That's what I was. That's oh, funny. Looking, looking for a way, yeah, looking for a way to figure some stuff out. So, How'd you yeah. end up there? Uh, well, her family. She grew up on on uh, Long Island, mm -hmm. but her um, her roots or on her on her mother's side was uh, back in Wheeling, West Virginia. Kind of interesting, man. Like old North South mentality, right? Yeah. Her grandfather was a um, was a a local physician and doctor in Wheeling, West Virginia. And um, when I got married, um, so this was you know way over thirty years ago now. When I got yeah. married, it was the big like wedding to do at the uh, at the country club on the mountainside, and you know there were all servants there with white gloves and stuff, and I'm like. Holy moly, I feel like I landed in a, you know, in like a Wuthering Heights novel or something. You know what I mean? It was <laughs> yeah. very bizarre. I had more, I had more more similarities and connectivity by hanging out in the kitchen, shooting the breeze with the chef and the, the waiters and the waitresses than I did uh, hanging out with the, the rich white elite of West Virginia. West Virginia, by God, I tell you, West Virginia. So anyway. That's yeah, hilarious. That's, that's, oh, I got stories, boy. I got stories. You got the time. I got the stories. <laughs> so, mm. so you, you, I, I'm assuming you didn't stay in West Virginia. Like, you know, you came over. You didn't have a profession. So no. did you already graduate Drink, from college drinking. or anything? <laughs> no. No, I was a professional <laughs> drinker. That's what I was. I was a Londoner, mate. We invented alcoholism so that uh, the Irish wouldn't rule the world. You know what I mean? I, uh, no, look, I didn't. I'm, I'm a blue-collar guy. For sure. I'm a, a blue collar guy, blue collar attitude and, um, you know, no profession other than the gift of the gab and, and tenacity. And I think um, if there was a if there was a collegiate uh, program for that, I'd not only graduate, I'd teach it. Um, 
But I, uh, I was in West Virginia, and my first wife's brother-in-law was actually stationed at Pease Air Force Base up in uh, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, up that way. And um, we decided to move up to New England. And uh, that's how I ended up here. And uh, I've been in the Boston marketplace now for 31, 32 years, something like that. Time flies when when you're having fun. But um, I came up to the New England area and, um, you know, stayed true to my my blue-collar background. And a buddy of mine was uh, was on the fire department here in Salem, Massachusetts. Which city? You know, like which city and and Halloween and all that (laughs) stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I was testing for a lot of police departments, and, and um, he said to me, why don't you try the fire department? And I'm like, I don't know, I want to be a firefighter. He said, it's a good job, man. Government pension. You'll be styling and profiling. It's all set. A lo- I've always loved the idea of camaraderie, and I've loved the idea of chaos, right? Yeah. I think one of my business acumens today is, is I make the biggest mess I can and then I got a really good team around me that learns how to monetize it, right? Yep. So um, anyway, he, he said to me, try the fire department. And I did. I, I tested for the fire department. And the year that I tested in, in the great state of Massachusetts, where I now live, uh, when I tested here, that specific year, I think it was like um, a 60-40, like 60% of your grade um, was your physical ability and 40% was, was your, how you took tests. And um, I've never been good at tests. Like you asked me, you know, what's your college degree? Um, you know, I, without sounding corny, is you know, the school of hard knocks. But uh, not because I'm, I'm not smart. I just, I never bought into the idea of, you know, learning information and just regurgitating it later on, A, B, C, D, right? That doesn't make you intelligent. I, right? I agree you know with what that. I mean? <laughs> yep. and, then, and then you stick that stupid collegiate dollar amount to it. Let's go to Harvard, darling, where we can spend $250,000 on a Harvard or a Yale degree so I can go out and get a job. What a great idea. No, I wasn't interested. So anyway, I, uh, I landed that job at the fire department. I, I got on that year. I aced their written exam. I did okay on their physical and uh, freaking loved it. Absolutely loved it. Worked as a firefighter and a paramedic for uh, 16 years in Lynn, Massachusetts, just north of, uh, north of Boston. However, here's the disclaimer. If you grew up like I did, with zero financial um, intelligence in the household, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, it just was what it was. I was always told if you want to make money, you've got to trade time for it. But time's a commodity that runs out very, very quickly, as we know. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand leverage, didn't understand debt, uh, didn't understand that uh, money is really just a tool that you use, uh, didn't understand any of that. I was the donkey who signed up with the 401k, got the government pension, figured everything was going to be A-OK, but um, I didn't understand that it's not a good idea to spend more than you earn, and I didn't understand that real estate only ever goes in one direction until it doesn't. And I was one of the, uh, I was one of the victims of, of 2006 and 2007, um, leveraged my primary residence, and uh, found myself in a pretty, pretty crappy position uh, because of financial um, inadequacies. I always say I was a financial illiterate. I didn't understand anything when it came to, to finance. So, you know, that was, that was a tough time for me. And, and I, I transitioned from there uh, into real estate out of necessity more than anything else. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so mm. interesting. So did, mm. how did it work? Mm. After the crash, like, did you end up okay or was were you smoking? No, well, look, 
you know what's interesting, right? I, I kind of equate my real estate investing career and where I am today. And without sounding corny and BSE, it really was, it paralleled firefighting. When everybody else went running out, I went running in, right? Uh, I learned later on that I was kind of deploying a little bit of Warren Buffet's philosophy, uh, which is to be a contrarian investor, right? And looking for opportunities. So without it being a long, drawn-out story, 2008, my house was in pre-foreclosure. Um, I told you I was a professional drinker until the age of 23. And at 23, God came down, tapped me on the shoulder and said, time to smarten up. And I, I got sober, right? Uh, I haven't had a drink or a drug move mind-altering substance in over 30, 31 years since then. Thank the Lord. But, you know, during that period of time, you know, I came close to self-medication because it really was, it was rough. It was rough losing yeah. a home. I, I was yeah. married for the second time. I had, a, I had a young son. I've got that male ego BS going on, like I'm supposed to be the protector, the savior, you know, caveman crap. And I was failing miserably. And um, I was screaming and shouting at my God, looking for a little guidance and direction. I'm sitting in my F-150 pickup truck. I'm smashing on the on the steering wheel, like, come on, man, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't steal. What's up? Why is this such a, you know, the American dreams, American nightmare crap? And uh, commercial came on the radio, teach me foreclosure, a free, free one and a half hour seminar coming to your neck of the woods. And I'm like, okay, those that ask, right, shall receive. Mm -hmm. If you seek, you receive. Be a vessel, be open. And I'm like, all right, God, I'll go to a freaking seminar. You know what I mean? I'll yeah. listen. And, and that was it, man. It really was, AJ, a turning point for me because I, I started to hear it was more important than anything else. I started to hear a philosophy, as Jim Rowan calls it, a philosophy, right? Do you have a philosophy right, that, 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 is, that is contrarian? Can you, can you stand in a new truth, for want of a better term? And um, this guy started telling me that there was stuff called OPM, other people's money. He said, uh, you know, investing yourself is a better return on investment than investing in a, uh, you know, an education in a collegiate environment. And all of this stuff was, con and to be honest with you, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad around that period of time, Kiyosaki's book. Mm -hmm. And all that did was piss me off. Mm -hmm. I was just like angry, man. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, yeah. what? You know, I felt like I'd, I'd been sold a bag of, a bag of donuts. Like yeah. it was a, a bag of crap. A lot of people felt and that way after yeah yeah like i'm yeah. going through that and i'm thinking man you you predatory sobs man like you know yeah. but but here's the thing as i started to transition out like i learned short sales i negotiated the debt on my own primary residence i got out of it because i i learned some stuff and i gotta be honest with you maybe your listeners will, will be upset at this or maybe they won't but look other people's opinions of me are none of my business anyway so i get to walk in freedom <laughs> but there was the snow white and the seven dwarfs right remember jamie diamond and the rest of the crew right they all got they all got pulled in and if you if, if you're too young to understand this then you haven't been through enough market cycles to know what the hell you're doing anyway Oh, yep. Daddy just took you to school. But Jamie Diamond, <laughs> right? Jamie Diamond and, and the rest of the crew. Remember, they're sitting there in front of Congress, right? And yep. they're trying to figure it out. And then they all exited. They all exited out of their various banking relationships. And every one of those sons of guns walked away with like a 10 million plus bonus on the way out. Yeah. Well, I took that photograph from the front page of the paper. And stock and options it, at like 80% less value. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah right? Yeah, they right? got a good I deal. 
I took that picture, man, and I, I almost like framed it and put it on the wall and made a shrine. Not because their predatory behavior was something to admire. What I admired was is they understood the freaking game. Yeah. Like they not only made the rules, but played by the rules. Yep. And I said to myself, I am never going to play a victim ever again. I'm going to be a victim of any and all circumstances. And that's what I did. And I started small single family houses little contractual stuff, you know, flip a contract here or there. I remember the first time I made $5,000. It was on a single family flip on a contract, 2008. I was uh, distressed assets and bank-owned properties and stuff. And I walked out of this attorney's office with a check for $5,000. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got five grand. Because I thought about how much time I traded to make five grand. I got this thing. I didn't even own the house, right? Yeah. And as I stepped out on the sidewalk, it was a – it was a misty, cold, rainy night in Boston. It's not like every the night. The moon was – hold on a minute. <laughs> moon, picture this. The moon. <laughs> the moon was just peeking up over the horizon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but seriously, though, I stepped out on the sidewalk, and I'm thinking to myself, is this legal? Man, I'm waiting for 5 to pull up in the big black sedans and stuff, like because it was so alien to me. But once, once I did something once – there wasn't anybody who couldn't couldn't tell me I couldn't do it again. And I did it again and again. And to fast forward, it put me in a position where I was recognized as one of the number one uh, distressed asset developers here in the state of Massachusetts. Um, I got recognized by Martha Coakley's office, the attorney general's office here in Mass. There's two things the attorney general does. They either come after you and they put you in jail or they come after you and they partner you and elevate you. I was very pleased to say she elevated me and partnered with us. She didn't didn't chase me down. But think about the optics, AJ, right? Think about the optics. you got this firefighter who then comes into development, who understands this community. One of the best things we do in development is give back to our community, take these these properties, you know, 2008, 9, 10. So that's what we did. We partnered up, uh, distressed assets, built up my own portfolio of – you know, smaller buy and holds along the way. So then it was on, baby. Once you go forward, you can't ever go back, right? Yeah. You can't go and get a job now. No, Is no. somebody going to tell you what to do? No. no. It never, works so it never works never anymore. Never works anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know what was interesting? I don't know if you experienced this, but for me, I found out as my entrepreneurial journey developed, it really became obvious to me why I was such a terrible employee. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah, Absolutely. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like hundred percent. So if you're out there listening and the boss is on your ass, that might be a good thing. It might be that your entrepreneurial spirit just needs to let go a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's how that's how it all began. Seminar world, and then uh, progressed from there. So I love it. Now, now talk to me about this. What are you currently like? You you're doing development. What are you developing? Yeah. Um, so I, I was very blessed when, when we were coming into the single family stuff. Um, I was still working in that, that education space. I got a chance to speak and teach and I, I was, you know, traveling all over the country. And because of that, I got recognized by the networks in New York and we did the TV show Flip in Boston. Now, the reason I talk about reality TV and the TV show, what it did was, was it gave me national exposure and national recognition, yeah. which is very hard to do, right? Yes. If you want to be an expert, write a book. Even doesn't matter what's in the book. Yep. You got a book, you're an expert, right? Mm-hmm. So the TV put that thing on steroids and it allowed me to build 
partnerships and relationships uh, in the markets that I wanted to do business. So developing what we're currently doing is is this was a, a direct result of COVID. Um, 2020, January of 20, check this out, right? January of 20, I just finished all the infrastructure for a hard money lending business. We're branding it around the TV show. Uh, we've got seven loan originators. I got a nice 2,000 square foot office space. January 2020, we're feeling so good. Uh, we've got about 18 million in loans coming through the through the pipe. We've got a beautiful database, national database of buy, fix, and flip. It's great. It's awesome. We're working off of a $50 million line of credit, and every note that we originated is then getting purchased by New York within five days. I got five-day takeout partner. And uh, that way I can keep on turning over yep. the 50 million. And then in March of 20, something something happened. I can't remember what it was. Some <laughs> Something that rhymed with Pepsid. Was it pep Pepsid? Something to do with your immune system. I don't know. I don't but know. all of a sudden- I haven't heard I about know. it, so I don't know. I, 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 I haven't heard know. anything about that. <laughs> it's something with a Chinaman and a chicken. I don't know what the hell it was. <laughs> Something somewhere. Some idiot <laughs> sneezed and farted or something. I don't know what happened. Anyway, the whole <laughs> the whole freaking world goes bananas. And New York, God bless them, knee jerk reaction says we're not buying your 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 notes anymore. And seriously, brother, I'm out of business in three days. Three days, I'm done because I've lost. I can't turn my credit yeah. line anymore. Yeah. So what I did was was I, I you know I took a couple of weeks off to cry in the corner. Uh, I started making masks out of old pajama pants. Uh, that wasn't a very profitable bit. No, I didn't. Really. <laughs> I know people who did, though. Um, but just so anybody's listening, the mask does nothing. I'm a paramedic. Just to let you know, licensed paramedic, a small piece of cloth between you and the rest of the world doesn't work. All right? If you can smell anything through your mask, it means the virus can get through. Anyway, I'm done with that. I'm off of the police. So, anyway. Oh, I love it. So, um, this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't know it was going to be this good, did you? I um, I looked at the landscape, and um, you know, I, I it felt similar once once the government started dumping all of this Mickey Mouse money into the economy, right? Mm -hmm. Like they didn't forget what two thousand and eight, nine, and ten looked like, and it left scars, right? Yes. Uh, left cultural scars, economic scars. So before we could even pull off a Band-Aid of the COVID crisis, the government starts dumping money after money after money. Yep. You know, you don't have to pay your mortgage. You, you can't collect rent anymore. And I get it. I understand it. We've got to take care of our fellow man. But we live in a, in, a, in, a, in a society of trading goods and services. And all that stopped. It was now just, just money moving yep. for no reason. So, yep. you know, I look at that and I say, what's what's you know, what's the outcome? What's the consequence? Because everything's got a, a consequence to the actions. And we all thought, and you did as well. I know everybody did. We all thought, okay, here we go. We're going to do it again. Everybody's going to need a self-storage facility because they're going to lose their house. They needed a self-storage facility before that because they were just buying everything and they didn't have any room, right? Honey, move the crap out of the attic, put it in the garage, take it out of the garage, now go put it in the self-storage facility, right? I yep. get it. So we figured, hey, here we go again. And I looked at the, the landscape and I called my partner, Walter Novicki, down in um, Fort Myers. And I said, Walt, what do you see, buddy? And Walter had done about $125 million in private equity, raised that capital, deployed that capital in development in Florida, 
as well as repositioning of apartment complexes. And he said to me, Dave, here's the deal. Let's use, you know, the TV moniker. He said, let's open a fund. We'll raise 100 mil. He said, and then we'll deploy that capital in repositioning, but specifically mom and pop multifamily assets, meaning anything from 20 to 150 units, because the big boys, they all fight over the, over the stuff over 150 doors. And I'm sure you get the same thing in, in cell storage, yep, you know, the institute, right? The institutions yep. will come in and buy the big stuff. And then guys like us, we work in the, work in the crumbs and do very, very nicely doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the plan going forward and um, successful to a point, but not as successful as it could have been. And here's why. Short-sighted on thinking that, you know, the capital would dry up in the marketplace, right? You can't keep on just dumping money in there because, you know, inflation and the Fed and all of those discussions we can have at a later date. But the capital did keep coming. And it's three times, the last statistic I pulled was, is there's something like three times the amount of capital in the marketplace that there was in 2008, right? So you've got all of this money, nowhere to go. Money hates sitting still. But what it's done is, is it's compressed all the cap rates, man. Um, Cap rate compression is nationwide. Are you getting it in self-storage as well? It's stupid. Yeah, it's (laughs) absolutely stupid. Thank you. I call it stupid money. I say there's stupid money, silly money everywhere. It doesn't make any sense. And the reason it doesn't make sense is they're playing a long game. They're just playing the longer game. They'll say, okay, I'll take a 3% yield, drop 10 million, 20 million, 30 million on this asset, you know, hoping that it beats inflation as it goes forward. And um, so that put a kink, if you will, in my business plan. So what we did was, was we then repositioned ourselves. What's so good about guys like us is that I can I can move in the shadows. The Titanic can't get around the iceberg. I can drive around that iceberg five times and not put a scratch on the paintwork. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because of the speed and the mobility we have, less overhead, we, we said, okay, we're dialing it back. Example, today I picked up 13 units, 13-unit apartment complex, completely rehabbed. They don't want to hold it. They just want to sell it. I'm buying it at a seven cap in a four and a half cap market. I'll lease it up. Cost me $2 million to buy the thing. It's worth 2.8 million when I'm done. Yeah. It's only 13 doors though. One would say, well, that's not very exciting. No, it's not. But what if I can buy another 20 just like that and still deploy the economies of scale in the market? Yeah. So that's where we're focusing our time on the uh, multifamily. And then if I could have got Walter on this call, I would have got him on the call. You want to see a 56-year-old man doing backflips, doing the hippie, hippie, happy, happy? <laughs> it's Walter right now because he really loves and knows ground-up development. Yeah. So what I said to him was, is I have no interest in building houses and selling houses. And we've been kind of like sniffing around this now for about eight months. And what we're doing is, is we're exploding into the build-for-rent strategy. So we're taking we're taking property now in uh, in the Florida market in our wheelhouse in our marketplace, and what we'll do is is we'll build 70 houses, 150 houses, and what we'll do with that community is is our investors can come in on the ground up, then they come in on the vertical on the um, on the build, and then they can stay in for the rental communities. So the question needs to be asked: Well, why the heck are you building single family homes for rental? Because the demand for that is, is ridiculous. Astronomical. Ridiculous. And all we need to do is put a nice self-storage facility 
right next to our communities. Now we're talking. Now you're talking. Hello. I'll add that to one of my developments and we'll do it. Hello. (laughs) Right. But think about it for a second. Who's who's in there? Yeah. My millennials are going in there. They're going in there. They they can't afford single family homes right now. Mm-hmm. But they want they want that single family community feel. We'll give them fantastic um, amenities, swimming pool, clubhouse, gyms, uh, yeah. valet trash, walking trails, all of the stuff that they're looking for. So I got the millennials in there. I've also got the the uh, the um, uh, the downsizers, right? Yeah. They they don't want to live in an apartment complex. Not to say apartments aren't good. They're great. Yeah. It's not and or. It's in addition to. Yeah. So we're developing there. And when the Band-Aid does eventually come off of the COVID crisis and, and Biden stops throwing money at everything, thinking it's going to solve the problem, donkey, when he stops doing that, did I say that out loud? It slipped out. That was my inside <laughs> voice ended up on the outside again. I hate it when that happens. Um, but blue states, red states. So when that when that's the- <laughs> I, li- that's, I like to that's, do business that's an invest- in the States. Right there, that's an investing philosophy f- for just a lot of people. It's just that simple. Isn't it? It's- <laughs> it is. Blue and, state, red state. And it's one that works very well. <laughs> it works. It works every time. Not just one time, but every time. Every Go time. where you're wanted. <laughs> Go where you're wanted. Oh, let's build a self-storage facility in California. No. No. <laughs> um, let's build it's actually our one, it's our one state that we have completely X'd for the team and development area. We're like, that's the one state I'm like, you can't go into. Like, no matter what, it's, I don't care how good the deal is. We're not doing can't. it. <laughs> if it's good on the way in, the great state of California will squash your deal for you afterwards. To, uh, to give you they any idea, I, bad. I literally got off call. That's uh, before I got on here where I was mm-hmm. talking with mm-hmm. a, a developer. And he just moved to Austin, Texas. And he said, we developed a – we did a strip mall. So their method is they develop strip malls. Then he has, like, yeah. the licensing to put in gyms. So they develop yeah. the strip mall. He puts a gym in there, fills it up, turns around, refinances it at that newer value. So he already has mm-hmm. the tenant set in place, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he did one in California and one in Texas. In California – and this was over a year ago. And yeah. California – they're still not even able to fill it up. Oh, and Texas, yeah. three months. They built and filled it up in three months. Yeah. And his yeah. investors got their money back, and they've already redeployed it. California, yeah. they haven't even been able to get it open and running. And he's sure. like, the the just the absolute discrepancy on that for mm-hmm. capital mm-hmm. is mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And he said, so mm-hmm. as, soon, as soon as that happened, he picked up and just literally moved. He was like, I'm out. Everyone is. Everyone is. They're, they're, they're leaving. You know, it's always a great discussion, right? So it's, you know, will Manhattan ever come back? And some people say no. Some people say yes. At the end of the day, you have to go where it makes sense. Yeah. One of the things I learned being able to invest uh, at a national level because of the TV exposure, et cetera, et cetera, was the fact that I don't have to be pigeonholed in Massachusetts. I don't have to be pigeonholed in Orange County. I don't have to be, yeah. right? Think think Greenwich. Let's go to Connecticut. No. You know what I mean? Why, why do you want to go to those states with, with that much resistance uh, to what it is that we do? Yeah. You, it, it's not hard to build a team when you know what you're looking for, right? Yeah. When you've, yeah. when you've identified it yeah. um, and your, your avatar of team member is, has got clarity attached to it, a lot easier to execute. You don't have to have had a, a national TV show and all the, you know, the gifts that I've been given through through the work that I've done. So, well, and you're talking, that's what we're doing, you're man. You're talking like mobility here, and you're talking about information access. In okay, I was reading a book on this a 
I think it was yesterday, or maybe it was even this morning, and I can't mm. remember who, and now it's killing me that I can't remember who, talked about this in the 1980s, talked about how the really the future is in second-tier markets and yes. third-tier markets, because eventually these markets get so big, it's not about mm-hmm. whether they'll come back or not. It's unsustainable for a certain yep. amount of people to live in a certain mile radius. And yep. it's it's just not economically, it's not lifestyle, it just gets to a point where it was. And for the most part, he was right. It's not that those markets went away, and it's not that they won't. After all, they're limited, as it is. So, right, like, there's right, not much right. you can agree. But the point is, the future's not there. And it we've seen this as we've gotten more mobile in the last 10 years, and COVID just put that on steroids, when now yeah, you yeah. Re- literally don't have to be here. And we can now see people choosing when they have the Mm -hmm, ability mm -hmm. to choose where they're going. And for me, that's a big, as an investor, as a business owner, it's saying, okay, now that you have the opportunity to choose, where are you choosing? And that shows me long-term trends. If you can, Mm -hmm. you do choose. So every time somebody gets the ability to choose, they go wherever they're going to go. So the places that we saw, not that those places, I don't even believe it's not, LA is not going away, right? But is LA going to, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll recover. Maybe it won't. I, I, I don't yeah. know. And that alone tells me something very, very important. I looked at a, um, there's a, a local developer here, a couple of years younger than me, super aggressive guy. Like I really, I like him uh, for him, but he's, you know, he's building whatever, whatever it was. I can't remember the exact numbers. I'm going to say a, a 20 story you know, mixed use, the 20 sexy, uh, sexy apartment floors of, uh, of, of condos up top, maybe 200 units or something like that. It was, you know, your, your, um, your restaurant downstairs and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I looked at the property and I said, you know, the uncertainties, especially on the longer play, right? Probably takes two years for, for, for the development, the, the dirt, the movement, the vertical is going to take another two years. Yep. You know, you're, you're looking at a, a four or five year plan. hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know what the supply and demand is four or five years out. Right. I just, I've never been that good. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, you know, how are you protecting your investors? And he's like, well, I ran the numbers instead of them being, you know, high end condos renting for 3,500 or 4,000 a month, whatever his numbers were. He said, I dialed it back and I ran the numbers at, uh, you know, the best Section 8 vouchers that the city of Boston could offer. And he said, it just about broke even. So I decided to carry on with the project. Now, the only reason I'm bringing that up is this, is that if he'd taken that same investor base and built a team in a market that potentially, and again, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all pontification. We're just like... Yes. playing it out to yes. see what it all looks like. Yeah. Nobody nobody's got the crystal ball. No. But if you took that same you took that same capital um uh, availability of capital, deployment of capital, development and built, you know, 200 single family homes in a rent to buy to rent uh, uh, built to rent community, I bet you that that modeling would look look a lot more profitable uh, than it does if he has to go into a, a blend or a you know, a 100% workforce housing strategy when it was built for for another. What I am excited about is the fact that COVID has, to your point, put all of the uh, the the maybes on steroids. For the fact that we're now in a situation where guys like us, maybe your listeners as well, know for a fact that the workplace live 
all in the same uh, geographic area or, or community is really what people are uh, looking for. So when we're building out and designing these, these, these uh, villas, uh, Freedom Venture Villas, when we're designing these communities, we're designing them purely for that, you know, that, 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 that concept, if you will, where you can play there, swimming, facilities, gym, et cetera, et cetera. We've got the, uh, the WeWork type environments that we're building inside those communities as well so that people don't have to get in the car and drive, you know, L.A. traffic, Boston traffic, Atlanta traffic. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Think of the hours that people have wasted uh, in, in traffic and and even on flights. Don't get me wrong. I'm traveling like crazy right now, but that's because I got a wife and two kids and I got to get away and make sure this marriage doesn't go down the crapper <laughs> like the other two do. But uh, you know what I mean? I say, to, I say to my wife all the time, I love you, but I can't wait to get on a plane. I got to go. Um, she understands that. <laughs> See, you're lucky it's using that. For me, it's occasionally, hey, maybe you should go on a business trip. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? That like, guy's been showing up. I'm at obviously home, huh, driving honey? people crazy at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. me and the kids, we need our time. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, man, the way I gauge the way I gauge my success is if I walk through the door, my kids don't run away from me and my wife runs towards me. If that happens, then I'm doing okay. But if it's reversed, I'm in trouble, man. I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? But um, you know, the, the, I've got a, an older son, millennial, he's twenty six. And, uh, you know, great kid, did the college thing. It was actually his real estate and my knowledge of real estate that put him through college. So he didn't come out with, with the collegiate debt. But um, he went awesome. to uh, college here in Boston, came out with a, uh, you know, a comp side degree. And, um, you know, he earns about a buck and a quarter, 150000 a year. But he doesn't work hard, right? He's, yeah. he's kind of like an anomaly yeah. in the sense of it's easy for him. And I say to him all the time, you know, what are you doing, Robert? What do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he's like, what do you mean? And it doesn't compute with yeah. me, right? Because yeah. he's very happy yeah. not being super challenged in his career. Yeah. Because for him, it's more important the quality of travel, the quality of time, his pet, his dog, yeah. and, you know, living with his girlfriend, Ellie. Yeah. And it's like they rent an apartment in downtown Salem, which city, right? Yeah, which city? They're in that area there. And they're possessed. I said to him, I said to him, on, he, you know, we went over for an ice cream on Father's Day. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? What's up? He goes, what do you mean? He says, I think we're going to go live in Colorado for a couple of years. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll go here for a couple of years. I just booked, booked a trip to, uh, to, to Taiwan and we're going to go, you know, swim with some elephants and make love to some dolphins or something. I don't know what he's going to do, but you know, he's, he's going to, he's living his life. Yeah. And you know, my generation, I was told, you know, you gotta work hard and get married, have kids, buy a house, you know, all of that crap. And it's just a different world. So we it's a as investors, different world. it's a, it's you know, a how different people world. view we work, expectations and everything. I mean, yeah. n- there's, it's he's remote. Yeah. I mean, I just like I look at most people. I'm like, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm just a weird one because nobody would work how I work. I just don't right. like see it. Or two, I mean, alone in my twenties, I didn't have twenties, right? I, I in my my twenties <laughs> were three kids and two jobs, one startup, and that was my twenties. Like I just worked. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but that's just yeah. not how it's done anymore, and that's not how people think. No. Nah. I, 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 was, I look back at it today, and it's kind of interesting, right? With financial illiteracy, all I knew, like I said, was trading time for money. Mm-hmm. 
So it was the fire department 40 hours a week, 48 hours a week on a swing shift. Then it was another 40 running my own construction company on my four days off. I still couldn't make ends meet. So I worked the third job part time nights and weekends that I wasn't working. And I look at it and I go, my God, man, no wonder my first marriage failed miserably. I was working 120 hours a week. Right. Yeah. And couldn't couldn't participate in my own life. Yeah. But now I fast forward into entrepreneurship and it's like, all right, I gave up 120 hours working for somebody else so I could work 85 hours working for me. Yeah. Right? Yep. But but here's the deal. Um, my eight year old, no, my 11 year old, sorry, just graduated um, fifth grade. Right. And then they go into middle school. Yeah. So my wife's like, make sure you're there for the graduation. Well, I didn't have to ask anybody's permission yeah. to leave work. You just went. And then she said Tuesday. So what day is it today? Today's Thursday. So Tuesday, she said, let's just take a beach day. We'll go up to Maine like we like we have in the past and we'll take a beach day. I just got to let the team know, guys, off grid. Only call me if it's 911. Yeah. And I tried really, really hard to just be present sitting on the beach with my wife and kids. Yeah. Not the easiest thing for guys like us yeah, to do. But I think I, but I think I pulled it off. I think I pulled it off. And Good you know how you. I was successful, AJ? She said to me at the end of the day, that was a great day. You only picked up the phone five times. I said, thank you, honey. I'm very proud of that. You're like, yes, dad of the year. And I, you know, I kicked a soccer ball and jumped in the freezing cold main ocean with my boys, you know, for like three hours out of a, you know, a six hours sitting on the beach. So yeah. look, man, awesome. God is good. God is good. You show up, participate. You know, it's uh, it's a great opportunity. Look, here's the truth, too. Watch this one. We're in the United States of America, brother. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm an Englishman. I was born in London, but I carry an American passport. Yeah. And I tell you, I would not be where I am today if I was in the in the choke down culture that I that, that I was from back in England. It's America. Yeah. So get off the couch. Stop complaining. Stop sitting there with your hand out. Right. Yep. Find somebody to give you a hand up, not a hand out. And, uh, you know, some some magic can happen. So anyway, no, that's I, my, I, that's I my soapbox moment right there. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. But two, it's it's an important thing for people to realize that I feel like a lot of people have forgotten that they feel like yeah, that they're entitled, uh, entitled and oppressed for some reason because they're alive. And you're going, yeah. you live in a country to where you can do basically anything. And, yeah. you know. You think you're oppressed? Go live in another country. Go live in Brazil, yeah. for example. Yeah. See how easy yeah. it is to pull yourself up at, with your bootstraps in Brazil, right? Go. Yeah. That's, I, yeah. I lived in Brazil. Go live in some of these other places, right? Like, we are so lucky. And it's like, it, I mean, like you said, it takes a huge amount of work. But the point is you yeah. can't. But it feels like people just kind of give up or they don't even realize the opportunity yeah. that they have that's sitting in front of them. And there's this mythical land that is so much better somewhere that yeah, just gives everybody that? everything and everyone's <laughs> happy. And uh, yeah. it's like, if we could be more like this <laughs> mythical place, then I would be a billionaire or something. And you're just kind of going, I'd be, what? I'd be 10, I'd be 10 pounds skinnier. <laughs> and my wife would love me even more. Yeah. yeah. That place don't exist either. I like ice cream. No, I'm with you, man. I I'm think it's you. I, I, like you said, it, it's about extreme, you know, accountability. You're like, listen, yeah. I've got to do this. I screwed up. How can I do this? Right. It's not ever expecting, even when bad things happen to, to you, even if it's not your fault, 
It's like, well, what could I right. have done to avoid this? How do yep. I get yep. out of this? Like, stop projecting yep. everything outside. It doesn't matter if you had no control over the circumstance or you have no control over the circumstance. You can only change the circumstance by saying, what can I do and how, how could I avoid this in the future? Learn your lessons. And then what can I do to move in the future? Just turn on good. yourself. Say what, what? Oh, good, brother. Take ownership over it. I, um, when I stepped into that education, I went to that seminar, right? If anybody's ever attended one of those seminars, you know you're going to get sold something. You just got to determine whether it's something that, that you're going to use and, and, and be beneficial to you. And uh, my now wife, Mary Beth, I met her in the labor and delivery room at Salem Hospital. She was an L&D nurse and I was a paramedic in training. That's where we met. But um, <clears throat> you don't fall in love in delivering somebody else's baby. It's not the most romantic of environments, <laughs> but somehow, somehow we pulled it off. But Anyway, she's, she's with me at that seminar, and it came to the third day, and it was $27,000, $28,000 worth of additional education, right? And the reason I'm bringing this up is you, you, you mentioned that it's a nasty, nasty word, and it's called accountability, right? And I said to Mary Beth that day, I said, what do you think? She said, what do you think? I said, look, baby girl, here's the deal. I can't trade more time for money. It's cost me two marriages. It almost cost me a relationship with my oldest son. Nearly cost me my house nearly cost me my sobriety. It nearly cost me my, my, my mental acuity. I mean, you know, I, I got to do something different. And she said to me, she said, go get him, killer. I'm proud of you. I love you. She said, I'll support you in whatever you want to do. And I said to her, I'm so glad you said that, babe, because my, my credit cards are maxed out and my FICO scores too. We're going to have to put it on your credit card. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, it's the truth of the matter, brother. You know what she was? She, she was the first person to give me permission to be wealthy. And that was the day I purchased accountability. Didn't matter what the education was. Honestly, it didn't. I was accountable for the first time in my life for opening my mouth and saying I'm doing something. And to go full circle on our conversation, mediocrity is never in my vocabulary. I don't surround myself with with mediocrity. There was a captain in the fire department. He said to us early, he said, boys, there's two kinds of firefighters. He says, there's guys who want to work for the fire department. And then there's guys who want to fight fires. He says, and I determine them to be either drains or radiators. He says, the radiator is the guy who wants to do more, be more, get more, be the best that he can be. He said, and the drain, well, that's the guy who just sits there and freaking complains all the time. This job sucks. I'm going to bed. Hello? McFly, did you listen to what you just said, right? So I don't surround myself with, with drains, man. I like, to, I like to be around guys like you, you know what I mean? Yep. Women who, who can step into their own magnificence. And I don't mean yep. that to be seminary or catchy, but everybody's got a yep. purpose. And, and unfortunately, very, very few people uh, are blessed enough to step into it because of outside influences dragging them down. So I just kicked the crap out of it. Get the frick out of my way. I, I'm, I'm going. You're either coming with or you're getting left behind. And, um, you know, I'm accountable for my successes and my failures, right? Because yep. if I'm pointing a finger at somebody else and blaming them, there's three fingers pointing right back at me, baby. Yep. Right? Three well, pointing back. You own it. Own and, it and all. This is important you know? to recognize. If you can own your failures, you can also own and be comfortable with your wins. But if you can't oh, own sure. your failures, winning is really hard. Because if you didn't if you didn't fail, it was somebody else. You yep. also didn't win. That was somebody else too. And right. it's not you don't win and accept it 
but not accept failures. You accept failures and then you win. And let me ask you a question. Hold on a minute. Let yeah, me ask you a it. question. What's more valuable, failure or success? Oh, oh, my my entire company that's worth, you know, we have whatever, 150 plus million in assets all came out of a, my biggest failure of my life. See, that's the difference between us and a lot of folks out there. All they ever focus on is success, right? Oh, he's lucky. She's lucky. Oh, right place, right time. They don't see the late nights where we're sweating, <laughs> writing a check of investor capital and yeah. saying, is this the right one? Have we done all of our due? Run those numbers again before you write that check. Run them again. Run them again. Yeah. Make sure that there's no other developments in a five-mile radius of where we want to yep. put that development. Did we do our due diligence? Yeah. You know, is that the very best insurance quote? Is that the very best terms we can get on the mortgage? Yeah. I know a guy who knows a guy. Let's see if he's the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like nobody nobody sees that piece. Yeah. They don't see when we get hurt, right? Yeah. I'm very blessed, man, and I mean this sincerely. I've never lost one dime of investor capital in my whole career. Yeah. I've lost my own money. Yeah. I, I I will lose first before anybody else. Yep. So that when we win, we win together based off of the mistakes that other people have made, including ourselves, right? 100%. So I'll I'll pay for somebody else's mistakes over and over and over again through leverage, right? Yeah. Ten thousand hours to be an expert. I can't come into your business and think I'm an expert in self storage without spending time paralleling what you've done, right? Yeah. Learning your business model. We yeah. got a lot of similarities. ROI, turnaround, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. Yeah. you know, density, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, I, 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 like, to, I like to drive really, really fast in my lane, my yeah. expertise. That's you know what I mean? I am too. And, and, let, and let the guys and girls around me do their thing. I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. If I am, I'm in the wrong room. You know what I mean? I like to just surround myself with people who make me look really, really good yeah. and really, really smart. <laughs> 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 that's the play man that's the oh, play accountability it. it's important it's it important. is it is no sure. i love it well you know what I, that's where we got to end because that's just such good stuff i mean thank you so much for coming bringing it this has been uh, educational and extraordinarily entertaining so i very much appreciate it it's been one of the funnest <laughs> that's a podcasts. Twofer. it's a twofer and that's one of the, this is one of the funnest podcasts i've done in a long time so thank you and now Everybody's going to want to know where can these, where can everybody go to find you, what you do, more about you, uh, where yeah, should we send people? Yeah, yeah just, just hit the website, freedomventure.com, freedomventure.com. You can Google my name, Dave Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. All the good stuff pops up because I got all the other stuff eliminated. You can't find any bad. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, got a good, I got a good reputation online. Um, and, but I'm still old school, brother. You can pick up the, uh, the telephone and you can call us at 781-922-4418. Uh, I always say, what would it be like if the next time you went to Florida, you drove past one of those really nice apartment complexes or self-storage facilities, and you could say to yourself, man, I own a little piece of that. Mm -hmm. And then you don't go on vacation anymore. You only go on business trips. That's we'll right. talk about taxes another day. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, good stuff, man. Appreciate well, hey, you. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great, man. And uh, you know what? When I'm bored, I'm just going to ask you to come back on a podcast again so we can have some fun. So I hope you don't mind. No, man, I'll be back with bells on. Talk soon. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, man.